Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We've been going through a series entitled Sweeping It Under the Carpet. And really what it's talking about is you and I sweeping the sin of our lives under the carpet. And you know we have that tendency to do that. We talked about that first, didn't we? That age-old tendency that comes all the way from Adam and Eve to try to cover our sin in our lives, to try to ignore it, try to not deal with it. And we're going to talk about the tragedy of ignoring sin in our lives. And and we've looked at it in several aspects already. We've looked at our tendency to do it. We've also looked at how when you and I don't deal with the sin in our lives, it hinders you and I from being used by God. It hinders God's will in our lives. And we saw that through the servant Moses and and how God sought to kill him, even after God told him to do something. And the reason why God sought to kill him was because he wasn't obedient to the covenant. And until that moment in which he became obedient, then God could use him. He had to deal with the sin in his life. We're going to look at another dynamic of the tragedy of ignoring sin in our lives by looking at how our sin, my sin and your sin, affects the whole church. Listen, you know, I I used to be in the Army. I grew up in the Army. I'm an Army brat, as they say. And there was this expectancy to go in the military. And so I chose the easier route. I went into the National Guard. My brother went into the regular Army. But one of the concepts they teach you in the Army is, is that your unit is as strong as the weakest person in that unit. And let me explain to you, that, that concept is true even in the church. Our church is as strong as the weakest link in our church. Do you understand what I'm saying? Every one of you here, because you might say, well, it's just you that affects the church. Yeah, there, there is a sense in which I and my life will affect the church, and God has been showing me a lot of that lately in my life. But there's also the sense in which you, as an individual believer who attends this church, who's a, bo- a part of the body of believers who's here, how you conduct your life and what you do with the stuff in your life will either hinder or help the church as God seeks to use it in this community and in this world. You and I are as strong as the weakest link. You and I are as strong as a church as the weakest link in this body of believers. And so there is a sense in which you and I need to address the issue of sin in our lives. Now you say, no, how do you get that? Where do you get that from? Because, you know, I can see where, you know, the pastor is key or, or maybe the leader is key to the health and well-being of a church. But where do you get that little old me, George, sitting right there listening to you right now, can affect the whole body, can affect the whole church? Well, I'll tell you where I get it. It's right here in Joshua 7. It's from a story that all of us know. It's about a guy named Achan and his sin. Well, we'll read it together and we'll see what exactly it's saying here. Look with me. Chapter 7, verse 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, 
of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Then Joshua sent from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and said, Do not let all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and attack Ai. Don't worry all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about three thousand men went up from there, from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down thirty-six men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shebarim, and struck them down from descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth, and on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. And he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, Get up! Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies but turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Look with me at verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel. Make confession to him. Tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing fifty shekels, I coveted them and took them. There they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. And Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, And there it was, hidden in his tent, the silver under it. And they brought them, and in the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua, to all the children, laid it out before the Lord. We're going to look at this passage, we're going to look a little bit further in a moment, but we're going to see how one man, before you start to realize, I want you to understand this one man, Achan was not a captain, Achan was not a colonel, Achan was not a leader, in the midst of those people, Achan was just an average guy 
fighting with the armies of Israel, and Achan sinned, and his sin, listen to me, his sin affected the whole nation of Israel. In fact, his sin resulted in the death of 36 other men. And the name of God being slandered among the Canaanites. See, what we need to grasp here is this, my friends, that sin is not just something you do on your own. There are ramifications. So let's notice with me several things we're going to see here. First of all, their powerlessness. First thing we see in verse 2 and 3 about Israel is this, and, and this is where we can get as a church, is that they rested in their past victories. I mean, think about it. What was the what was the town or the city that they had just conquered before Ai? Anybody? What was it? Jericho. And remember, Jericho was that stronghold, that fortress, and all they had to do was march around it seven times and got the victory. And they didn't even have to lift very much of a sword. God just, all the walls came down. They conquered the people there. They, they overturned Jericho. Man, what a victory. But listen, there were more victories than just Jericho. Before they got to Jericho, when they fought on the other side, they wiped out their enemies, the Amalekites and so forth. They rested in their victories. And here's what happens. So Joshua comes to Ai, the army comes to Ai, and, and he says, okay, let's send out some spies and see what we've got here. You know, And that's the kind of thing you do as a military commander. You send out some spies. And as they send out some spies, the spies came back and says, oh, this isn't even like Jericho. This is just this is small potatoes, Josh. Don't worry about it. Just send up about 3,000 guys. Don't have to worry the whole army. Don't have to bring hold them. We'll be able to take it. We'll be able to do it. What were they doing? Resting in their past victories. Let me just stop for you for a moment. Listen, my friends, especially for you who have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that is a dangerous place. You say, what do you mean, George? Because here's what's happened. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and He's working in your life, you have, been, you have seen moments where God has answered prayer. You have seen moments where God has done the miraculous, where God has done the spectacular in your life. You have seen moments where God has even used you in a mighty way, and you can get confident in the past. You can get to the place where, okay, here I am, Lord, let's do it again. Except maybe this time you're not praying as hard enough. Maybe this time you've been a little loose with things in your life, and you're just resting in the past, and that's exactly what they were doing. They were resting in their past victories. That's a dangerous place to be. You cannot assume that the victories of the past will guarantee the victories of the future. You may want to write that down. You cannot assume that the spiritual victories of the past will guarantee spiritual victories of the future. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can't guarantee it. In fact, that's what they were doing. In fact, here's what they were, here's what happened. They were defeated in their efforts. Talk about the shock. I mean, can you picture Joshua's there? All his, all his commanders are around him. They're waiting. They sent 3,000 men out. This should be easy. Just mop it up. Wipe them out. We should be okay here. Don't even raise a sweat. We'll have a victory party later on. And so they're waiting for, they're waiting for the army to return with the banners raised high in victory. And guess what? The banners come back, but there's nothing raised high. Their tail is between their legs because they're scared. 
In fact, when they come back, they're carrying the bodies of 36 men. And here's what Joshua, instead of having a victory party, Joshua and the men there tore their clothes and they heaped dust on their heads, which is, can I be honest with you, a symbol of shame because they were defeated. How many times have we done that? We've rested in the past. We went forward for God, only having to be humbled. Because we didn't go in the strength of God, we went in our own strength. And here they are, they're powerless. And so Joshua, what does he do? He, he decides, you know, something's going on here, something's not right. And so what does he do? He goes into the, to the tent, the meeting place where God's ark is kept there, and he goes and he falls on his face the night before, spends all night praying before the ark of the covenant, saying, God, why are you allowing this to happen? God, we're here to fulfill your mission. You told us to come into to wipe out the Canaanites. You told us to take the land. We're, we're here to take get the promise from you. Why is it we can't do anything? God, what's going on here? And, and so what we see here, my friends, is that the reality is, is God speaks to him and says, Get up. Here's the issue. There's sin in the camp. Which brings me to my point. There is no private sin with God. There is no private sin with God. I mean, here's Joshua. Can you see Joshua? I mean, he's got to be, God's telling him to get up and says, somebody has touched the accursed things. I mean, he's listen, I mean, just got to comprehend this, because, I mean, we're not talking about a couple hundred people here. We're not even talking about just maybe 5,000, and he only said 3,000. We're probably talking about a nation at this time that's made up of a million or more people. The 12 tribes. I mean, it was significant. And Here's Joshua, and he's thinking, we're defeated because somebody touched something. But God's saying, look, look, they're, they're, it's not private. Listen, let, let's be honest. Let's, let's, be, let's be real with each other. We don't need to be vocal about it, but in your minds, and what you think about it right now, each and every one of us here has some skeleton in our closet, and it's a habit of sin, and we just think it's private. We just think that nobody knows. It's not going to affect anything. You may even go to God and periodically confess it and ask God to give you victory over it. But the reality is is that God, it's not a private thing. You make it a private thing, but it's not private. No sin is private. This is what God is saying to Joshua. Somebody has done something wrong, and what they have done has affected the whole body. There's no private sin with God. Boy, isn't that a wake-up for us? That's a wake-up. When I was reading this passage, the reality was, is, oh, do you realize, George, that every aspect of your life, if it isn't walking with me, affects the whole? Here, in fact, here's the next point I want you to see. Private sins, private sin affects God's people as a whole. Private sin affects God's people as a whole. Here, you've got to realize this. Listen, it's not just your little personal thing. It's just not your little personal habit. It's not just your personal indulgence. It's not just your personality quirk. It's not just a character flaw. It's not, you know, if you've got an anger issue, it's not just because you're a redhead. You understand what I'm saying? It, it's, it's not any of that. It's, it's, it's sin, and it doesn't just affect little old you. It has ramifications outside of that. My friends, the greater ramification is it affects the whole church. 
but let's let's bring it because you might that that may be too big of a concept for you to grasp a hold of that affects your church. My friends, let me just put it this way: your personal little sin affects your family. Because here's the thing: what you don't understand about sin is this: sin is never contained to just one individual. By its very nature, when it is released, it spreads and does its destruction in other places. See, there's no private sin with God, and here's the reality. It affects God's people as a whole. Here, here I am, and here you are there sitting, and, and there's an issue in our life. And, you know, we've been talking about this. We've, you know, we've been sensing for a long time that God wants to do something in our church, have we not? That we've been sensing that God is, is, is moving our church. A lot of us have been sensing that God is moving our church on the verge of something happening. That somehow God wants to use us to impact our community. And, and I told you that this series, I think, was just the final thing that God wanted me to bring. Because, let's be honest, we, we have a lackadaisical attitude about our sin. You know, you know we, 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 we confess, but we don't really deal with it. We make excuses for it. And it's because we have this mentality, and I have the mentality, well, it's just a personal thing, George. It's just a personal thing. And, and God is saying to us through His Word, no, it isn't. You're not just, remember last week we talked about this? We're not just affecting what I want to do. You're not just affecting what I want to do through you. You're affecting everybody else from accomplishing what I want to do through them. So here's Achan. The passage tells us that... here I, I kind of skipped over the whole passage. So God had... God has Joshua assemble all Israel and, and they do this thing where each of the each of the of the tribes pass by and then from the tribes each of the clans of that tribe pass by and then each of the family units within that those clans pass by and Achan is singled out. I mean, think about it, a million people passing by one God, God says, Okay, that it's that tribe, Judah, okay, which which clan? Okay, that clan over there, which family unit, that family unit, and then that family unit comes by Hey, it's you, Achan, isn't it? And notice what Joshua says. What have you done? And listen to what he said. I mean, you can almost think, I mean, I can almost understand where Achan's at. I mean, I mean, he's, he's a soldier. He's a grunt. He's, he's just a little old guy. No one even knows who he is. And, and he's in, he's in Jericho. Yes, God said that everything is accursed and everything belongs to him and don't anybody take anything. And here's Achan. He goes in. And they're in the midst of the battle, and the place is being wiped out. Everyone's being killed, and, and look over there. Whew! Babylonian. Piece of Babylonian cloth. Boy, my woman would look good in that. Ooh, some silver. A wedge of gold. Now, hey, I'm not getting paid much in this job. God will understand. Isn't that what we say? When we make excuses for the sin in our lives? God will understand. Who's even going to know? Because, I mean, you can almost think, I can almost formulate in my mind his thinking. I and mean, How do you say you can almost because I know I'm just like him? Well, you know what? We're probably going to wipe out some other cities here. And there's going to be other stuff like this laying around. So here's what I'll do because I'll just hide it for right now. And when we wipe out the next city and God says we can take the stuff, I'll just bring it out then and nobody will know. But the problem is that somebody did know, didn't they? Nobody else knew. But the one person who did know was God, and he wasn't happy about it. He wasn't happy about it. See, here's the thing, my friends. 
that secret sin in your life isn't just your little thing. Nobody else may know about it, but God knows about it. And here's the thing. Your little secret sin is affecting all of us. My little secret sins are affecting all of us. And God wants to get our attention about it. It's time for us to quit making excuses. Now, here we're going to see is the necessary response. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to read this passage to you and look with me at verse 16 through 26. And as I read this to you, you're going to say, Oh my goodness, George, isn't that kind of harsh? Yes, it is. And I'll explain to you why it's harsh in a moment. Look with me, verse 16. Here's what it says. Actually, look with me at verse 24. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And then all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from his fierceness of his anger, and therefore the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor, or the Valley of Trouble to this day. First of all, I want you to notice the response. First of all, there has to be an acknowledgement of sin. There has to be an acknowledgement of sin. Remember, Joshua goes to him and says to him, What have you done? I mean, this is serious business. The future of the nation is at stake here as they enter into Canaan. This is serious business here. And so Joshua goes and confronts him. And Achan, let's, let's hand it to the guy, he at least realizes, I better fess up. I mean, think about it. I mean, they've got a million guys show up there. They break them down into the tribes, and they say, okay, every tribe go by, okay. Okay, that tribe over there. Okay, so let's get you guys broken up by clans. Okay, that clan over there. Okay, over here, this house family. Okay, in that household. I mean, Aiken's probably realizing, whoa, they're, they're kind of, they're going to find me. I better fess up. But see, there's a greater issue here, my friends. The reality is, and we see it throughout the Scripture, and that is this. The necessary response when we recognize that our sin is affecting others around us and our sin is ultimately affecting His work is that we have to come to the place of acknowledging it before God. What does the Bible say? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's got to start there. It's got to start there. It's got to start with an acknowledgement. Now you say, no, wait a minute. Now I see that part of the story, but George, the last part of the story ain't pretty. I mean, they took him and they stoned him. And I mean, not just him, his family. I mean, and his goats. Everything that he had. And then they burned him. I mean, that's not a pretty story. Well, that brings us to the next place. And here's what you've got to understand about sin. A price must be paid for sin. A price must be paid for sin. But here's the point I want to share with you, my friends. We don't live in Joshua's time. We live today. And one of the things you need to recognize is that sin demands a price. Sin always demands a price. Sin always demands death. But there was one who took our place and paid the price for us. And his name is Jesus. He paid the price for you. 
you say, okay, okay, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put my brain around that, George. I'm trying to grasp that. Help me to grasp it. Here, I'll help you to grasp it. All right, you know what your secret sin is. Everybody knows what their secret sin is, right? It's there. You know what it is. You don't need to have anybody. You don't need to go to a group session and say, let me figure out what I'm doing wrong. You know what it is. The Holy Spirit is talking to you about it. Here's what I want you to grasp. You need to acknowledge it. Because here's why. There's a price that was required for your little secret thing. Your little secret thing put him on the cross. Your little secret thing put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. Your little secret thing asphyxiated him. Your little secret thing resulted in a spear being driven through his side. Your little thing put God on the cross so that the price could be paid for your sin. It's that serious. And listen, my friends, this is the problem in North America today, in the North American church. We don't take serious our sin anymore. And the fact of the matter is, is that our sin is affecting things. And we need to come to the reality of that. We just can't keep sweeping it under the carpet. We've got to quit sweeping it under the carpet. You say, okay, George, how do I apply this to my life? Three things I want you to think about. Number one. And don't, please don't come up to me later and tell me this unless you want help. We can help you. What is your secret sin? What is your secret sin? It may be an attitude. It may be an action. But what is your secret sin? It may be the issue of unforgiveness. Somebody hurt you years ago and you are embittered in your heart and you are holding on to that grudge and that grudge is keeping you from being all that God wants you to be. And it's not just keeping you, it's affecting everybody else. It's affecting your family, it's affecting the church. What is your secret sin? And you don't have to spend too much time on that one. If you're serious with God about it, He will reveal it to you. He will tell you, and He will point it out to you. In fact, you already know what it is. Because it consumes you. Now the question is this, here's the next point. Is your sin affecting what God wants to do through the church? Is your sin affecting what God wants to do through the church? Is your little pet thing hindering the church? And if you don't think it is, here's what you need to do. You need to spend the next week asking God, God, is it affecting? Is it affecting the body? Am I hindering your work? That's something to think about, isn't it? So then finally, you say, man, that's really gloomy, George. But here's the wonderful thing. The final thing is acknowledge your sin and turn back to God. See, it's not like it's over. It's not like there's no chance. My friends, as long as you're breathing, there is a chance. As long as you're cognitive, there is a chance. As long as you are aware, there is a chance. So here's what you do. Yes, Lord, I am affecting. God, please forgive me. And you what? You know you're forgiven. Because he paid the price for you. But my friends, it's got to go beyond just confession. It's got to go to turning away from it. Lord, give me the strength to no longer indulge in it. Give me the strength, if it's a forgiveness issue, to forgive. Give me the strength to deal with the attitude. Give me a strength. Lord, I don't want to affect what you're doing. I want to see you do what you're doing overseas right here in the midst of our own community. Is that what we want? I hope it is. But it begins with us taking serious our sin. So let me remind you of this. Two things. 
Your past victories are no guarantee of future victories. And there's no such thing as private sin with God. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.